conversation today is with Jen Walker, who is a doula in Jacksonville and was actually my doula for the birth of both of my sons. Uh, And so it's this wonderful opportunity to get to connect with her and to get to find out a little bit more um, about her backstory and um, just personally why she became a doula and the ways that this uh, calling has a connection to our faith. Um, I really loved the way that this conversation um, discusses lots of different roles of doulas, um, coaching and advocacy, but also in bearing witness. And I just ended this conversation speechless thinking about all the different ways I saw parallels to um, the call of our faith journey. So I hope you enjoy it. Well, uh, I'm going to say hey again, even though we started talking. Hey, Jen, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm so good. <laughs> um, so I invited you to this, this conversation around birth as someone who not only has experienced your own three uh, labors and births, but as someone who has experienced other people's as well in your role as a doula. Um, I'm so curious, have you been keeping count of how many births you have participated in, assisted in? I, I you know, I, sh- I should have been smarter and kept a little journal about that. Sometimes I write the stories down, but um, no, I don't have, I think once it got past a range that I could keep track of, I just kind of stopped counting. <laughs> yeah. So when did you... Like, what made you decide to become a doula and how did, um, you know, what kind of inspired you around that? Um, It really was my own process of my first birth um, of my son. I think I'd been a dancer my whole life and I've always been um, interested in that transformation into motherhood. And I've worked a lot on the physical sense with people doing... um, Pilates and kind of movement modalities during that transition, either through pregnancy or on the postpartum side. Um, But when I got pregnant, I had waited a long time. My husband and I had been married 15 years before we decided to have a baby. And, um, and it was really just life choices, not really like a issue with getting pregnant. Um, And luckily we were still able to do it very easily. But I recalled along the way, just feeling, even during the prenatal, feeling a little bit like there was this whole realm of unsupport and unknown that um, I'd go to appointments and I had a midwife um, who was great, but she'd always be like, do you have any questions? And I'm like, well, I don't know what to ask. I've not done this before. Shouldn't you tell me what questions I need to have answered, right? And um, and then I went through the process of almost hiring my own doula, but my midwife talked me out of it. She's like, I am always 100% there for my clients. You don't need me, especially you've done Bradley class with your husband. You're good. And, and my husband felt good about that choice. He really wanted to be kind of this very active partner in the birth anyway. But then wouldn't you know it, like 
we had a big snowstorm. It must have set everybody into labor. And I had um, two other ladies giving birth at the same time. And so we saw very little of the midwife. Um, and I happened to have a very quick birth. Mm -hmm. and, um, it was kind of this, I mean, not to go backwards, but I actually just, I had been induced because I had, I had been um, having prodermal labor for like three weeks and I was already four to five centimeters and my husband and I had to move. We did what you're not supposed to do after you have a baby. <laughs> we decided to change our entire life and move. Um, we were planning to move a week after this date. And so she was like, we either should induce you or you need to stay and he needs to go by himself and you can join him later because it's just unsafe to travel so soon after. Um, so I walked into an induction. They started the induction and literally within 15 minutes, probably just adrenaline of them hooking me up and I was overwhelmed with the idea, I like went into labor. And so then they unhooked me and they're like, just stay here. You don't need to go home. You're going to just, you're in a good space because it's a midwife and you don't need to feel unsafe about it. Well, that was around 9 a.m. And then things really started to pick up around a, about 1045. I felt some changes happening. And I remember my mom came by at 11 and I was like, go to lunch. It's, they say it's going to be like later today or tonight or tomorrow, you know? And I had my baby while she went to lunch. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was very fast. And the, and I just remember it feeling very chaotic and my, my husband was overwhelmed as well. And, and when it was time to push all these people rushing into the room and, and kind of barking orders at me and whatnot, and pushing in a position I didn't want to push in, even though I had a midwife, I was definitely not, was not the scenario I had envisioned, I would say. But I had a really easy labor and easy birth, and that made my recovery better. I did, because of moving and whatnot, go through a very, what I would call semi-rough postpartum time. Mm -hmm. um, but you transform, you turn into a mother and you look back and reflect back to your birth. And for me, I felt like if I had had a doula, I would have just felt, I mean, I already felt good about what I had done, but I would have just felt so much more empowered. And I feel like the postpartum would have been easier and all of these things. So I decided to kind of investigate a training. And then I happened to have a friend at the time that um, wanted me to be her doula and I did my first birth and when I walked into that first birth it was it, I can't explain it but it felt very natural it didn't feel like something I hadn't experienced before I walked in and I I just knew what to do and I could sense things um, it was similar to my dance work when I work with people um, movement wise I could look over and go oh we are holding tension in the shoulders we need to ground ourselves um, and so that was really interesting to me that it kind of, even though it was very different work, it had a kind of cross similarity from all my training that I had done mm -hmm. before. Um, so that's what, it's a long story short <laughs> of what led me into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad you did because people who are listening might not know that you were my doula. So you were with me with my two births and I've told 
anybody who will listen to me for a couple minutes to just consider it, even if they um, are considering a, a medicated birth or a hospital birth, that it's, um, you know, my understanding of your role is it's not about only doing natural or only trying to do at home or only trying to do, you know, different way. Um, but it's about that. I, I see it so much as even a coaching role um, in, you know, being able to, I would say like, you know, when you have a personal trainer in the gym and they tell you, you can do 25 push-ups, and you're like, no, I can't, I can only do 10. And somehow for them, they can get you to do just that little bit extra. So that was really helpful for me. Um, and I love how it connects with your own story too, because I see so much of that as, as advocacy as well. I feel like we had this conversation when I was pregnant with Eli about just how um, little, how much agency um, women tend to give over in the birthing process. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about like how you have seen that played out and where you, you know, want to recapture that for? for sure. That? I mean, I think we're, we're kind of at a day and age where in other places in life, women are taking a very, you know, I am my own advocate. I am in charge of myself, um, trying to pull focus in a positive way that way. And for some reason within the birth industry, it almost seems to go the opposite. People, um, women are working very closely with OBGYNs, um, midwife sometimes too, but the midwife role I feel like is a little bit, doesn't go that route. It, it kind of reflects back to the woman and they try to help the woman voice their own desires. Um, but in the, in the hospital realm, we, we definitely see this tendency of trust, just trusting the system, trusting the hospital system. We're there primarily maybe because we're scared. If something goes wrong, we want to be able to have all the resources if something were to go wrong. But a lot of times those resources are what cause things to go wrong those kind of interventions um i had a midwife tell a group of um doulas and training once um you know the first intervention in a hospital birth even if you're doing a non-medicated hospital birth is walking into the hospital so that itself is an intervention because if we're going to just give birth we're going to be internalizing it and feeling all the emotions. Nobody needs to tell you how to give birth, but in that setting, they do. Mm -hmm. They do everything from like telling you how to be, be in the room, in the bed, when to use the toilet, yeah. <laughs> you know, how to, and when you get to pushing, how to push, counting at a woman. I mean, it becomes very um, controlling from that side and it relinquishes the control from the woman. And so even if it's a complete successful, positive birth experience, and, and you can have both medicated and non-medicated births be very positive in the focus, you still look back and these people were controlling your birth not, and you may not feel like you were in control. 
And so the role of a doula is to help the woman feel like they were in control. And even my clients that have like an emergency C-section, for example, my role is to reflect back and go, hey, we ran into an emergency and you did the most amazing thing. You took a deep breath and you made the best decision for you and your baby. And now let's focus on recovery. And then we fill in the gaps of not just a reflection, but like how to move forward into that postpartum side, which is difficult. And unfortunately, there's a lack of care that way. And I think, um, and unfortunately, even women that hire a doula don't always get to have perks of hiring postpartum doulas or carrying that into their postpartum. But I do think that there's a lot that happens in even the preliminary conversation with a doula that helps you have access to the tools you need on the postpartum side. And it's huge. I mean, you look back and if you don't have anyone to reflect back to an experience, you're going to maybe look at it only through one lens. And if your lens was, this was traumatic, then you're going to keep being haunted by this trauma or maybe you're avoided and then it's just living in your body and it comes out in different ways. I mean, in my opinion, like, a lot of health issues people have are related to holding on to trauma inside. Mm. And, and we know that even as doulas, we, we, we deal with, with that with clients, just even having to deal with past trauma that might come up in the birth itself. Um, so that's a really big part of it. I think it, even though it's not like a traditional counseling role or a therapist, it has a sensibility that, or a weight of having this idea of a, of a witness, a witness into an experience that can give you a different perspective or a witness that can say, yeah, that was a really horrible event or a horrible moment that you had, but let's look at it this way. We're past it. Let's see what we can do. I think it's important to go through those emotions that are carrying that. And, you know, women feel all sorts of ways. I've had natural, um, birth clients that have a hard time dealing with how internal labor can get you know it really is such a it's a it's a hard headspace especially if you've never um you know especially the first time going through it i think when you're into like subsequent pregnancies it's a little bit easier to to focus in but you it's unlike anything you experience in life um but i always say we should fully embrace it and experience it like it's no different than birth it's no different and i say our own birth our own birth our our birth of our own children and our death are these moments that um we need we're here to experience we're on this planet for a reason so even if we do it through a medicated place we can still stay in the right focus and the right headspace to stay connected to that experience because those are moments we never will forget. Right. Yeah. I, um, there's so many things that I would love to go into more. One of the things about headspace, I remember when we were planning for Eli's birth, um, I always share with, with friends, you know, my choice to make, to, uh, deliver Eli unmedicated had a lot to do with my own mental health and my concern that, um, you know, the research showing, you know, epidurals and Pitocin and that kind of, um, cycle you can get into 
increases the likelihood of postpartum depression, which I would already have been predisposed likely to. Um, and so there's lots of reasons to have an unmedicated birth. That was mine. And I, I think what one thing that was really helpful was also my self-talk during labor and knowing, you know, the things I'm saying to myself, am I being kind to myself? Am I feeling empowered? And then you also talked about the postpartum experience because my experience was like labor was amazing. I felt like powerful, like I did all of the stuff I set out to do. And then afterward feeling really helpless because the breastfeeding process was so difficult. And um, I can definitely see all of those different shifts. And then you also brought up the, the asking questions at the OB and like what to ask and knowing how to advocate for yourself. And, and there's, I think most women can at least relate to that moment of being like, I had a question <laughs> and I can't remember it right now. And I would try to keep them on my phone and inevitably I would forget something and um, you don't have that kind of access. So there's just so many layers to having that extra reflection and walk through with somebody. Um, I'm wondering what it's like when you get the call from a mom you're working on, I'm in labor. And then, you know, at least in my experience, you don't have to rush over right away. There's a, you, there's pre-labor and, you know, a long way until transition. So what's it like either via text message or just waiting of like, I wonder when they're going to actually need me and trying to schedule your day and think about that. Well, it's funny you say that because I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine yesterday that um, I'm not alone in this in terms of doula work. A lot of doulas start doing this doula work when they have small babies and kids at home. And and it is interesting because it's a challenge to navigate. And um, it takes a little bit of, of time to kind of get used to the idea that it's, it's not going to happen all at once. And, you know, even though you have to stay aware of your phone and you're on call and you're trying to connect, you, you want to still be present in your own life. So um, that takes time to navigate. But once you start to do that, you, you also understand labor a lot more and you understand that a lot of times, just like I myself needed this in those early parts of labor, you just sometimes need someone to go, that is normal. You're, you're having all the right things happen, um, do this and that. And then when it picks up, let me know. Um, because you need a, like you're saying, you need a coach, you need a guide to kind of give you permission to be experiencing what you, what is going on in your body. Cause it's a lot of shifts and changes and you get to under, you get to see like some, you can kind of tell when we're in like prodermal labor, which might be days or weeks or, you know, or are we really on, is this happening today? Um, or sometimes it is happening really fast and that's, that can be alarming too. I had a client once call me in the middle of the night. She was so excited. She had her first contraction and, and then five minutes later, I got a call that, that she was feeling baby and everything. 
and literally it was that quick. Um, and so that's something to process too. So it's, you know, in general, labor is long and um, it's kind of allowing women to know how to navigate that early labor, like being able to say, you know what, just this is try to ignore as much of that as you can right now, eat, rest, watch a movie, take your mind off of it. Don't, don't do until we need to really do, you know, cause you don't want to exhaust yourself. Um, but it certainly is, there is that side that you have to have, like, as a doula, you have to have your own support system. You have to have like, like, I'm very lucky that my husband's, my husband values the work that I do and sees the necessity for women. So he will eagerly take on that role of, of watching the kids or in the middle of the night, dealing with the middle of the night kind of scenarios. And it always seems to be the middle of the night most of the time, not always. Um, yeah yeah it is and it's funny because you know why why on earth would a doula take on this role when they have small kids and babies at home when they're already sleep deprived and I laughed well I was going to be awake anyway so I might as well be awake doing something (laughs) hopefully you get the same support when you get home after a long labor to you know get a good nap in and be able to my husband and great, great family that helps with that. So, but it's not all, I mean, you know, it's life with small kids. Sometimes you don't, don't get the full recovery you need, but you also see the need and the value and you learn how to catch up on sleep. Just like people that work a night shift, they learn how to kind of get their piggy bank filled with their sleep deprivation, you know, and, and be able to manage that. I also love just the the one-on-one connection because I'm sure there there are some births where moms need more permission to to rest, to take their time, and there are probably others where you need to name things for them like, no, it's actually happening. You actually need to like start working towards this. Um, And I guess I think about my role as pastor sometimes and and the gift it can be sometimes to remind students like you don't have to do this all on your own um a lot of our students are very cognizant of the needs of our world and the need for social justice and want to go out and and change the world and i love that about them and i also sometimes need to remind them like we all need to do this together like you don't have to work yourself to exhaustion um you also need to rest and and take care of yourself too to be able to do those things um that's that journey into motherhood is like that I mean we really have to help women see that it's okay to have support I think especially on the postpartum our American society like says you should be back to doing everything in six weeks you should be good to go you know and your body's still really not good to go at that point if you don't feel normal you um, are likely sleep deprived and not not ready to leave your little baby, but you're forced back to work a lot of women. And uh, I think doulas often fill that gap into even just pointing the lens, like helping women identify who around them can be that support. And if they don't have that support, guiding them towards resources that become that support system. 
and then giving them permission to to take that support. We don't we don't have to do it all. And even mothering, even raising your kids, you're going to do it much more effectively if you connect with hopefully maybe you have grandmothers or grandfathers in your life that can fill those gaps or or friends or other family members, but it's so important to not be the only one taking that weight all the time. Yeah. It I think it um it's really hard where we're at right now in this time and this place like in America and stuff that it seems like birth and mothering can be such a private experience, such a personal experience. And I feel like historically, this is something that communities do together, trying to figure out how to, to navigate, um, birth and all of those changes and sharing, whatever tips and tricks that they learned along the way and even sharing in like responsibilities like breastfeeding if it's like one person isn't able to do all that they needed to do and now it's just very insular sometimes well and it shouldn't be because i mean it's no i i think of it we've lost a sense of ritual in a way you know and i think a lot of women are that's what they're yearning for they're trying to gain a ritual so you know, whether that's like through, through the food they eat postpartum or um, even people that like get into like belly binding or things that kind of become a ritual, um, that makes us whole. I mean, that's what we yearn for. I think that's what, um, why people show up to go to church. It's because it's filled with rituals. So we should have those kind of transpiring in our life. Um, and that makes that journey so much more peaceful and, um, and helps us maybe let go of the stress of it all, because that, that is what, where we start second guessing ourselves and having, and having trouble. I mean, it's like what you were saying about the breastfeeding journey, like no one, no one really like understands until they go through it, that it's not even the easiest breastfeeding journey is not easy. It's not easy to, to be the person responsible for nourishing this small child. And then when it doesn't come easy, women feel defeated and they feel like they blame themselves. And then it shouldn't be like that. There should be the, the no, it's okay. This is how we can help the situation. This is, you know, how you're going to be successful at it instead of, instead of that cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the story we're kind of connecting to is the story where, um, the midwives in the text kind of stand in the gap for the babies that are being born to, um, the Hebrew people between them and Pharaoh. I mean, I love this story because I think in general, um, these women would not have a lot of power in their society and yet they're able to claim like I'm an expert <laughs> in birth and I'm just telling you from my perspective that I can't carry out what you're asking me to do. And they do it through what we perceive of as just deceit. I mean, I don't know, maybe these labors were really, really quick, but we perceive more that, that they're really standing in the gap as protectors. Um, and I hear some of that in that um, 
in gaps towards, you know, helping women know the right questions to ask, to stand in the gap against like institution, but also institutional decisions. Um, I think one thing that's really vivid in my birth story uh, with Eli is before going into the hospital, this moment of like, um, you stopping me and saying like, we're, you're not sick. <laughs> we're not here because you're sick. We're here because you're having a baby. Like it's a different experience and trying to help name those things. Um, how would you see that kind of role? I mean, I, I think as a doula, we, we are, you know, an advocate. We are, we're, we're a lot of different things. We, we are that coach that you're talking about. We help like give those um, really clear ideas of, of where we are, what we can do to make things progress um, and really be that coaching along the way. But we also are like a silent witness. We take in the environment and everything around and then we help, help. We don't, at times we'll advocate if we really, if, if the client can't advocate, but really the, the responsibility is helping empower the woman and their partner to advocate for themselves. And so we give back the voice when the voice is taken away. And there is a lot of power that is at least power perceived that these other people that are navigating the birth take on. And you kind of were talking about how the midwives had had this kind of sense of control, but also this sense of protection over these women in the story. And I think that's what is lacking um, in, in American birth stories at this point, like doctors, midwives, they, they have such a large clientele and stipulations for how much time they should spend. And, um, that, that client care isn't, isn't able to be done in that way. So why does a doula need to be there? Because someone needs someone to be present along the whole way and the doctor and midwife is not going to take that role and they aren't they aren't that caretaker role anymore you know i mean it used if you go into other countries you'll see like a birth room filled filled with you know doulas and midwives like working together the whole time but here that's not i mean that's not the way most births happen right um, so that witness that advocate i mean is really needed and you you look at the the kind of insular problems within the hospital setting in general is that you've got maybe an OB practice that has their own policies and their own kind of ideas around birth. That may be very different than the hospital's policies. And, and then that could be very different from the nurses' opinions and, and what they like to do with their clients. So the doula helps the, the client take the leadership. Mm -hmm it shouldn't be all these other people's control. The right. client should be in control because they've hired these other people to help them, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Um, where, where do you feel like you experience the sacred in you know, waiting with women or in those labor experiences? I would say the, I mean, there's several moments, but um, when you can kind of 
the spaces between are, are very special. Like the spaces where, you know, we just had a really hard moment of a contraction come through and you watch the woman be able to just let it melt away and be, be okay and be present. Um, that empowered moment when the woman realizes what they just, they just did. Like, and uh, you know, it's not just about like the baby being born. It's all along the way, even, even watching, you know, doulas do a lot to help partners kind of participate in a way because they don't know what to do necessarily. And you make this space and you can even watch kind of the relationship take on new meaning and both, both participants kind of transforming into this kind of parental space that they've never been in before. Um, it's, it's quite special. Mm. And then of course, like that's, I mean, the skin to skin, I mean, it's like you realize when that baby is on the chest of that mother and you see them look down and you realize that, you're, you're kind of, you're witnessing this connection of these lives that, you know, this has been inside this mother. This, this mother doesn't even know what it's going to be like, but they know each other. They've known each other and maybe they've known each other before that moment. Who knows? We don't know these answers, but you see this connection and it is, it's beyond spectacular. It's, there's no words for it. Don't give me baby fever, Jen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is. It's a really special moment. And there's another word you used, and we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, um, but you've talked about kind of that transformation into motherhood and and a little bit about where you see that coming from and in in the spirit and like this holy thing that happens. Um, I wonder if you'd say more about that too. I mean, nothing can prepare you for it. I mean, I, I, I still remember looking down at my son for the first time and just feeling like this love, this sense of love that you hadn't felt like in, in any other relationship, just like this, immense like I like loving something more than you can possibly love anything (laughs) um and and then you're going on this journey together and it's not it's not a necessarily easy journey to become a mother it's not like even if we've witnessed our own mothers throughout our lives that that can have a lot of weight to it and expectations to it whether you want to be like your mother or be nothing like your mother or, or, or raise your kids in the same fashion or do something different, it, you go through this journey and you're, you know, if you have a partner along with you, then you're, you're working together to meet on a middle ground of your expectations. And you, there's no one that's going to tell you whether or not, like for me at least, when I experienced that transformation, I had been with my husband for 15 years and suddenly I'm supposed to make space for this other, other being to share our lives. That's, that takes, 
time to get used to that idea. And there is a surrender and that's the ultimate, um, that's one of the most ultimate lessons that I think we learn. Um, we, it starts with birth because you can't, you realize quickly as much as you want to control what's going to happen, you're not in control. And you, the moment you surrender, you've let go of that expectation and then you can be completely present in the moment. And that's what we're supposed to do in life. Like that's why we go to church or why we meditate or why we are working so hard to be awake and aware in the present moment and to be able to see, to be able to fully embrace the spirit. Mm -hmm. You have to be in the moment not in the past or the present. I mean, not, you want to be in the present, not in the past or the future. You've got to be right in the current moment to fully embrace it. And that means everything from a crying baby to the loving moments, to seeing the first moments appear, to being okay that you didn't make it into clothes today. <laughs> You're still sitting in your pajamas. It doesn't matter. Um, and being forgiving along the way. I think that we learn, um, we can, the lens, we can learn a lot about just maybe the best part of life is, is learning to be patient and present to see what life has waiting for you. Mm. I, there's just so many great things. Thank you so much, Jen. I think, I think a message of, of surrender and presence is perfect for the season of Advent and being present where we are. Um, well, thank you so much for talking with me today and getting to hear a little bit more of this like larger perspective. Um, and yeah, I, I, uh, I hope that everyone else gets as much out of it as, as I did. Of course, I have that personal connection because I can't, just can't talk to you and not think about my little ones. But um, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs>